Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 5,000 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 5,000. Enjoy. John Nichols, National Affairs Correspondent for The Nation. John's a pioneering political blogger. He's written the beat since 1999. John, thank you for rejoining us. Good to have you with us. Um, First of all, this uh, campaign and this multi-billion dollar general election campaign is beginning. It's nasty. It's going to get uglier. And not just the money, but the clash between somebody who's pretty ugly in his rhetoric already, Donald Trump, and those um, that uh, support Hillary Clinton. Now, first of all, we've already seen this playing out just starting yesterday on Twitter and other social media. And I think this is just a, a, an appetizer for the main meal of things to come in this general election, in this multi-billion dollar general election this November. Would you agree? Totally. I think that, uh, you know, Donald Trump is the dynamic figure of the 2016 race, uh, certainly on the Republican side. And because he has now emerged as the all but certain Republican nominee, probably of the year. Now, remember... In the history of politics, the dynamic figure does not always win. Uh, often that person is defeated. But they, they frame out the politics. They, they force things to happen. And Trump succeeded in the Republican primaries and the Republican fight by running a, a vicious campaign, attacking his opponents, uh, attacking the media, attacking anybody that got in his way, uh, breaking in a lot of rules or what we thought were rules, uh, writing his own kind of narrative. And there is no reason to believe, even for a second, that he won't try to do the same thing as the race goes forward. So anything you saw in the primaries on the Republican side, you know, you must presume is, is not, you know, an isolated incident but prelude to where we're headed. When we talk about this, I mean, Donald Trump is definitely not a a typical candidate. He's not running a typical campaign. Do you think we're going to continue to see atypical behavior from him in his campaign, or do you think he's going to have to start to uh, move lockstep with the beat Mm -hmm. of the drum of uh, politics, campaigns, and politicians and candidates past? He's not capable of moving in lockstep. It's not his style. Um, And more than that, he has now convinced himself, whether he's right or wrong, we don't know, but he's now convinced himself that the key to his victory is breaking the rules. So uh, there's no question that he'll continue uh, to seek to define things uh, and to to seek to play it his way. There's an interesting dynamic uh, with regard to, to his candidacy. 
he understands that uh, the Republican Party has become a reactionary party. Now, that's an important uh, – I don't use that word casually. The term reactionary is often incorrectly used to describe conservatives. What I mean by reactionary is the Republican Party has become a party that reacts, uh, in, the, in most cases, in a negative way to that which it doesn't like, to that which its base of voters disapprove of. Uh, consider the last seven years, how Republicans have responded to Barack Obama's presidency. They haven't proposed an alternative. Uh, they haven't offered some sort of positive vision that is different, that is, a, you know, an inspired conservatism, even a conservatism that might reference to some of what Ronald Reagan talked about or some of what Barry Goldwater talked about. No, what they have offered is the word no. It has been a reaction. Trump recognizes that. And so I, I think he correctly recognizes that he can unite most of the Republican Party, most of its voting base, not just of its core conservative voters, but the more casual voters who would come uh, in a November election. He can unite an awfully lot of them uh, in reaction against Hillary Clinton and the Democrats. I think he will seek to do that. That brings his percentages up to a competitive level. And then I think the viciousness comes in, in you know, a, a very intensive attack on Hillary Clinton as the likely nominee with the purpose of bringing her, whatever positive number she has, down, discouraging her supporters or potential supporters from voting, and hoping that in this viciously negative campaign he might prevail. It, it's a strategy, and, and whether people like it or not, uh, it is very likely to be the approach that he brings to the process. And I, I want to emphasize, Leslie, I don't think he will do this without a lot of cooperation from Republicans. I think there's a tremendous number of Republicans who, at the end of the day, are far more sympathetic to Trump's style of campaigning than they let on. When, you know, and obviously with his poll numbers, it's almost like the dirtier and meaner he gets, the more he drags into the mud and slings that mud, uh, the more his numbers go up. But that's well, with his base, which has grown to be about half of the Republicans, at least according to the polls, approximately. What about that other half? What about people? Well, what about and yeah. what about people who don't and aren't aren't interested in voting in the primaries of the caucuses? They're general election voters because those voters are very different than what we have right now. Yes, you're right. Um, and there's a lot of dynamics in your question there, and let's take it apart a little bit. Um, there's, it looks as if Trump is showing some ability to unite the Republican base, more than I think some of the D.C. pundit types would give him credit for, uh, more than some of the Republican elites who really don't like him would give him credit for. My sense is that he can, he can actually unite a pretty good portion of it. And there's some evidence. Well, John, that... hold that thought. Hold that thought, because I want to hear the and when we come back about Donald Trump, the ability to unite, how competitive and how close this will get, in your opinion. We're going to take a break. Back with John Nichols, national affairs correspondent for The Nation, pioneering political blogger. He's written for The Beat since 99. We'll be back. 
We are back. John Nichols is our guest, national affairs correspondent for The Nation. John's a pioneering political blogger. He's written for The Beat since 1999. And by the way, you can follow him on Twitter at Nichols Uprising, N-I-C-H-O-L-S Uprising. You can read his great pieces at The Nation. And the website for The Nation is thenation.com. John, thanks for holding. Welcome back. We're talking about this nasty multi-billion dollar general election campaign that's beginning. We've seen beginnings of it yesterday. All bets are off. Nothing will be off limits. Um, but you talk about how Trump will will unite, as he predicts he will, to a certain degree, and you feel that will tighten the race. In other words, you believe these neck-and-neck neck polls in some of these states, like Florida, Pennsylvania, Ohio, between Hillary and Donald Trump, correct? Sure. I believe them. Uh, but I think that we have to uh, get a little bit of depth here when we look at them. Because when you see these neck-and-neck neck polls, what do you see, Leslie? You see maybe... 44 to 42, 42 to 40, something like that, right? Uh, in a number of these polls, if you look around the country, what that tells you is there's a huge number of people who are still undecided or free-floating or not stating their preference. Remember, I, I think that there's some evidence that Trump underpolls because some people don't even want to tell a pollster that they're supporting him. And so you have to except that that's there. And that does not mean that Donald Trump's going to get elected president of the United States. It just means that the casual assumption that he will be quickly marginalized as a candidate is one that people should be very, very careful of. Now, then the question becomes, how do you, how do you deal with the Trump? How do you respond to it? And I think the important thing to recognize is uh, that there were lessons learned from the uh, Republican primaries. And lesson, obviously, the Democratic or the general election is going to be very different than the Republican primary, so we don't take all lessons from it. But there is one thing. If you get into a one-on-one fight with Donald Trump, if, you're, if you get into that ring with him and you start going back and forth, there's very little evidence that that harms him. There's an awful lot of evidence that it harms the person but does it, does it help a person if they don't engage? Because what I've seen, at least by the Republican opponents he had, the 16 that he had prior, um, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Um, if they engage, he just he's just better at the fight. He's good at dishing it out, and he's good at throwing it back once it's dished to him. Let That's me right. ask you. Um, also. Uh, what if somebody takes the high ground? Because we've seen that with the 16 opponents in the past. In other words, how does Hillary win against Donald Trump in that regard with well, the, the voters, especially with those who are undecided? Well, that's a superb question. It goes to the heart of the matter. And this is my argument uh, for what it's worth. If you engage directly in the back and forth, the nasty back and forth, which, frankly, I don't think it's something Hillary Clinton wants to do. I don't think it's her style, per se. Um, then you're in a fight with Trump, and Trump is very good at those kinds of fights. What Trump is lousy at is being presidential. And at the end of the day, despite the volatility of this year, uh, we're going to pick a president. And sometime, and someday in November, that Tuesday in November, we're picking a president of the United States. And to my mind, the way to counter Trump is not to be above the fight, but to fight a different fight. And I have seen Hillary Clinton on the campaign trail uh, during this primary process, which is an ongoing process, and it's important to remember. It's, it's, 
there's still uh, some primaries to go, and it is serious competition. But where I've seen Hillary Clinton at her best uh, has been when she has been very, very presidential, where she's been talking about issues she knows about and really scoping it out, talking to people in deep, smart ways. And I would simply argue that the way to go against Trump is to present such a different image, such a better, stronger image, not to neglect it, not to deny it. You can talk directly about the issues and the concerns regarding Trump, but not to get into a back and forth with him. It's almost as if you take the role, that superior role of, you know, being the teacher, being the, the leader, being the president, and present it in a very strong and very effective way. I think it can work, uh, but I also think it has to speak directly to the concerns that marginal or swing voters might have. And those concerns are economic. It's one of the, the real keys to this thing. Hillary Clinton, if she is the Democratic nominee, needs to you know, take a, a good dose of, a good you know, piece of what Bernie Sanders has been talking about, especially on uh, a host of economic inequality, trade, job issues, and to go deeper into those issues. Uh, that doesn't mean to do, talk about them in the way that Trump does, and it doesn't even mean that she has to talk about them in the way that Sanders has. But what does, what is required is a clear recognition of the power of those issues and a addressing of those issues in a way that resonates with, you know, voters who frankly are scared about where the economy is going, who frankly are scared about uh, a sense that things are rigged against them. And as a candidate, you have to talk about that, but you don't necessarily have to talk about it in the way that Trump does. You can also talk about it in a way that outlines real solutions, real ideas. And I think that's going to be that's the challenge, but also the opportunity of the 2016 race. When we look at what's happening money-wise, Hillary's super PAC, uh, one of the super PACs, but uh, Priorities USA Action, um, they initially planned to wait until after the June 7th primary contest to introduce TV ads to attack Donald mm -hmm. Trump. Um, and now they're kicking off that effort early, televising in four swing states, two different attack ads. Um, they have $6 million in investment, and these ads will offer scathing critiques of Donald Trump's comments about women. They're going to run for the next three weeks in Ohio, Florida, Virginia, and uh, Nevada. By the way, devoted donors of uh, Hillary have given about $80 million to Priorities USA Action to stop him. That's more than that group raised the entire election of 2012 to reelect uh, Barack Obama. Um, now, so first of all, will those ads be affected attacking him attacking women? I mean, she's got the women vote nailed down, doesn't she? No, oh, I, I, I think those ads are, I've seen some of them. Uh, and I, I saw one, effective. yes. Yeah, I think they're effective. And I think, you know, I mean, in any campaign you evolve advertising, you, you evolve your approach, you try to get more effective as time goes on. But I think those ads are pretty effective. Um, here's the bottom line, Leslie. It, polling shows that Hillary Clinton has overwhelming advantages among women. Uh, I think those will remain. But there, when you do an ad that addresses how Donald Trump attacks women, how he treats women, that doesn't only speak to women. This is an important thing to understand about advertising. Uh, 
you can also speak to a, a lot of reasonable guys who might be quite embarrassed by, you know, this this image of what Trump is doing. And it is, I think it's effective on many levels. One, it solidifies the women that are with her. Two, it suggests to women who might be potential swing voters. And again, these are working class folks who might really be troubled by the economic circumstance, hear things from Trump that sound uh, like, you know, some sort of answer to a circumstance that they find very troubling, very uncertain. Um, But also, again, uh, do not rule out the possibility that ads that talk about how Donald Trump addresses women, addresses people of color, addresses immigrants and others, don't, don't think that those ads aren't seen and will not have some impact on white men, you know, and on, on male voters in general. I think this is a, a part of what a smart campaign does. Again, though, I would emphasize the point I've made before. Those ads take Trump apart. They, they go to the heart of some of the things that are most unappealing about Donald Trump. You still have to have a very strong message, a positive message, about what you're going to do about the economy, what you're going to do about the issues that um, still need to be addressed in this country. So, I mean, Joe Biden actually summed it up pretty well a couple weeks ago. Uh, He said that the Democrats never win by uh, saying, you know, look, we can't do that much or, you know, our, our horizon has to be relatively limited, you know, they don't win cautiously. At their best, Democrats win with a, a bold vision, you know, some real sense that the future can be better. And I think that, that while there will certainly be attacks on Trump, but certainly fo- ads focusing on Trump's incredible vulnerabilities, uh, there also has to be a message, and I think coming more directly from Hillary Clinton herself, uh, from the nominee, that is directly challenging of Trump on the battle of ideas, and that's a that has to be a much more positive message. Um, so much to talk about here. I, I'm, tr- <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, in the time that we have uh, allotted, uh, pick and choose so that we can get through uh, a lot of different things. Um, well, let's talk about something else. Um, you bought, wrote about Paul Ryan getting ready to serve as the engineer on the Trump train. John, something I I've did. said is that everybody would bend over and bend down for, if you will, Donald Trump once he gets on that platform. And I don't think Paul Ryan is an exception. I think you agree with me. I totally agree. I hate to tell you that I think that, you know, I've watched Paul Ryan for a very long time, and, uh, you know, look, he is a Republican first and foremost. Donald Trump, for better or worse, is the Republican Party, uh, or at least is the, the primary face of that party for the next few months. Uh, you can try and fight him if you want, but that's not going to change that reality. I think that you're going to see Paul Ryan uh, chair that convention and try to make it a very effective convention. I hope, you know, I mean, I, I think Ryan hopes that his influence will be tempering and in some ways moderating on Trump. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's any doubt, there's certainly no doubt in my mind, that Donald Trump will run with Paul Ryan's support and that uh, he will also have the support of the vast majority, overwhelming majority, of Republican leaders in Congress and, and governors and others around the country. 
How close, if you had to predict, do you think this race will be, especially once other Republicans get on board? I mean, we saw Mitt Romney ran, evangelicals that said, I will never vote for him, or people yeah. that just felt he and was too did. moderate, right, and that he was too moderate, and then, uh, and then they did. Um, I mean, how? I mean, I mean, John. Not that I'm asking you to predict in the the sense of you know we all want to go to Vegas on this and buy lottery tickets based on your word here, but yeah. you know, I, I mean, how how likely is it that Donald Trump will in fact be the next president of this nation? I think very unlikely. <laughs> I think we're a good country, and I don't think Donald Trump's what we want. There's also a lot of evidence that candidates like this ultimately burn out. Uh, yeah, but he's brought out. He has he has brought out people yeah. to vote, just like Bernie Sanders has. So let's talk about those two issues. Donald yeah. Trump's Donald Trump has brought out people that haven't voted or first time uh, voters, even if they're not, you know, the youth. I think those people are going to turn out on mass because I think some of those quote lower information voters are also out of work, which is why they like him. They think that he's going to write them a check or something or get money in their bank account that isn't there. And then you have the people uh, that like Bernie Sanders. That with him remaining in the race, in my opinion, we're going to talk about next hour, he's not helping uh, the divide in the Democratic Party rather than getting behind uh, Hillary and uniting. And some of those voters might stay home. And I think that could be uh, an advantage uh, to Donald Trump. Well, look, I think that here's, here's the bottom line on Trump's appeal. Uh, it's clearly there. He has the ability to draw people into the process. And he has some ability to attract working-class voters who might historically have been described as uh, Reagan Democrats 30 years ago. We saw quite a bit of that in uh, the voting and in, in the patterns in West Virginia. I think we've seen a little bit of it even in, in recent hours, days in Kentucky. And, and so it's, that's there. That's a reality. But I would caution on an assumption or a, a sense that Bernie Sanders backers would – potentially be Trump backers. There's very little evidence of that. It, it appears that, you know, by and large, Bernie Sanders backers are people that, that have been drawn in by Bernie Sanders. Uh, well, yeah, my that, thing is if they think Hillary's, I mean, for Bernie Sanders supporters that are extremely left, you know, and extremely, uh, you know, into the uh, income inequality, which Donald Trump is a huge part of the problem of. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, for people that don't like, you know, Wall Street, even though Donald may poo poo it, I mean, his head finance guy is a, you know, former oh, VP worst, for Goldman Sachs. Yeah. And, and, and he definitely benefits from the outsourcing of jobs and from China and Mexico. I mean, you know, issues like immigration. Uh, issues. Uh, I mean, the list just goes on. I can't imagine people that are to the left of Hillary going to the right of her with Donald Trump. That's exactly. That's my point. I don't see that happening. Um, I think that that the bigger concern. I don't think that that, that the Sanders backers are are concerned as regards backing Trump. Uh, I think the challenge that Clinton has is to find a way to take the strength of her primary campaign which has been to you know, really see the future of America demographically and, and the possibilities of new coalitions reaching out especially to uh, Latino, to African-American women, to others, and, and really bringing them into uh, a central role in, in coalition building. That's been a strength and a, a, a power that Clinton has had that can be built out. Uh, at the same time, Sanders has had a tremendous appeal to young voters, a tremendous appeal to working-class voters who have felt very much left out of the system, but working-class voters on the left. Um, 
Clinton can, I think, if she is the nominee, she can merge those streams pretty effectively. In fact, I think it's important for her to do so. By the same token, my concern is actually with the casual Democratic voters or potentially Democratic voters who haven't voted in the primary, didn't get excited by Bernie Sanders, didn't get excited by Hillary Clinton up to this point. And how do you communicate with them? And how do you make sure that Trump's appeal doesn't reach them? That is that is a, a challenge. And it, it can't just be about telling people, don't vote for Donald Trump. That's not going to be sufficient. Because remember, these are people that are not you know, waking up every morning excited about politics. Uh, what you want to do is to give them affirmative messages to vote for the Democratic nominee. And I think that's very doable, but it, it requires a insertion of something that we haven't seen a lot of in the 2016 race, and that is optimism. That is a sense of real possibility. Remember, Barack Obama in 2008 came through a very difficult and at times intense and unpleasant primary process. And anybody who doesn't remember that is you know, really kind of neglecting basic political history. It got kind of rough out there in Ohio. It got kind of rough in Pennsylvania. The Democrats had a real fight. And Obama took that nomination. He was running against a war hero, John McCain, and there are a lot of things that, that should have made that a competitive race. But there was a tremendous optimism about Barack Obama. There was a sense that this guy really did offer the country something that was fresh and exciting, had real potential. And that's still something that, that that's, a, that's a power in politics that I think is way underestimated. Yeah, and, uh, for, and I think Donald Trump's rise and the appeal of Senator Sanders are proof of that. Always love having you, John. We'll have you back. John Nichols, National Affairs Correspondent for The Nation, pioneering political blogger. He's written the beat since 99. Follow him on Twitter at Nichols Uprising, N-I-C-H-O-L-S Uprising, at The Nation to read his great pieces or go to their website, thenation.com.